Okay, my name is Mark Bay, and good to meet you. I know Eduardo. We're ten minutes into friendship. <laughs> Basil and I know each other. Can you, uh, could you guys introduce yourselves and let's go all the way around and. Pull up a chair. I'm in the wrong spot. Oh, are you? Sorry. Okay. That's okay. And I now have a ministry called Jericho Ministry. Thanks for warming the chair, Stephen. <laughs> hey! How are you? Hey, we're introducing ourselves. Yep, we're, we're doing a, not a seminar, but a, a small group. So, yeah. Very interactive. You've been here how long, Basil? Uh, Ten years here in Colorado Springs, 11 years in Colorado. Okay. How long with Jericho Center? We started in 2000. Okay. Not the Jericho Center. We but started yeah, Jericho Ministry. Jericho Ministry, Jericho sorry. Ministry. Are you Mark yeah. or Matt? I'm Mark. Yeah. And I was <laughs> Come on in. Get my chair back. Right? <laughs> and, and no. Luke and John. Sorry. Yeah. Got my pen. Yep. We got one here. <laughs> so... Basil? I came through Campus Crusade Executive Ministries, so I'm interested in my yeah. ministry. Yeah, it's good. Well, we may lean on, on what you've learned over the years as well. We'll make it interactive. Could you? Stephen Melton. What's the last name? Melton. Melton. Stephen Melton. Good to meet you, Stephen. Good. Been in Colorado Springs a long time. Okay. Good. That's it. Excellent. I didn't know there were any of those. Good to meet you, Stephen. <laughs> Gary Mustin. Gary. And 29 years. Good. I'm going to be the newbie here. No, Eduardo is absolutely the newbie, but um, good. Nice to meet you, Gary. Michael Walsh. Um, two hours. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I've been in the Springs for nine years now. Hey, expand the group. Come on in. Yep. Nine years? Nine years. Good. Where'd you come from before that? Um, I'm military retired, but I okay. grew up in Maryland. Okay. Um, I call Texas and Florida home. More Water. Texas. <laughs> consider them to be the motherlands. So <laughs> my good. parents live in Maryland, so that's home as well. Okay. Yeah. I love it here. My wife grew up in Colorado, just south of Denver, in a town called Elizabeth. Uh huh. So we decided when it was time to retire from the military that God wanted us to be here. Army or Air Force or Air Force? Air Force. I had it easy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to. I'm Eduardo Hill. I've been in town six months, and uh, my hometown is Miami, Florida. Ooh, go Canes! Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm a Cane. Are you really? And so uh, marketplace ministry is kind of what I do. I'm working for a ministry now, big ministry in town. And uh, I'm new to church, been here three months. This is my first guy's morning out. Nice. Um, so look forward to games and all of you. Good. I'm John Carvain, and I've been here in town for 44 years. I came from Massachusetts. I'm part of what they call CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Committee. We have Bible yes. studies. And the purpose is E squared, evangelism, edification. Tell me your name again is? Tarvanen. T-A-R-V-A-R. You don't know Don Sheely, do you? 
Harvey? No. Okay, I w- he's he, being discipled by CBMC guy, but I wasn't sure if it was you. Yeah. And I gave up my farmer's insurance agency a little five years ago to go to Finland with YWAM. And I went through discipleship training school over there. Nice. I didn't finish. And so God used me there in marketplace ministry wherever I was. And that's what awesome. I like. In fact, it happened this morning at the table. I went to sit with Dale Crace and a guy named Steve Mendel and he's a guy who needs help. We prayed for him. We ministered. I gave him New Testament a step to peace with God. Nice. He went to another group. But I mean, I don't have any name to the ministry but wherever I am. It's yeah. the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Just the, the name. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, I, I call myself just a networker for God. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> so, hey, could you introduce yourself? I'm Donald John. I'm born in Colorado. You just trumped all of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm retired now. Come on in, Steve. Let's expand the group a little bit more. I'm retired. I spent about 30 years in the bookstore business. Okay. Retail bookstore with Walden Books. Did you have bookstores here? Yeah, with Borders and Walden Books. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I was born over in Silver. That's great. That's great. Well, good to meet all of you. My name is Mark Fay. I've been, uh, we've been here in Colorado Springs about 11 years. Um, came here on vacation in June. You hear this story a lot. Um, seven weeks later, had moved here. So I had been a pastor at the time. Uh, was in a transition, ended up going on staff at a, at a church in town here, did that for four years, and then uh, worked at Focus on the Family for seven years. And then September of last year, kind of ended my tenure there, and so the last ten months has been a phenomenal God journey. I mean, they're all God journeys, but uh, this last ten months has been just a whole new season. Uh, prior to being a pastor, I was a high school teacher, coached football and baseball and kind of did that for the first job out of college and started raising a family. Been married 23 years, 19-year-old, 17-year-old, two boys, and then a little girl, 10-year-old. So that's kind of a little bit of my context. But what I'd like to do this morning really is to facilitate some discussion. I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to um, marketplace ministry than maybe, um, maybe you've heard before. Uh, because, partly because my belief is that the, yeah, you know, let's see, let me make sure I got the top one on the top before I hand it to you. There we go. It's three pages, I think it is. So just take three and pass them on. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, so um, you know, a lot of times in a seminar like this, I've worked, I've learned this the hard way. A lot of times, people coming to these, a lot of times, a lot of times it's their passion. So if you start at square one, um, you know, it's, it's what you've heard before. If it's, if it's not something you've been familiar with, maybe up to now, that's all right. We're going to, my goal before we finish today is really for you to begin to map out your own specific uh, plan for having a marketplace ministry. And what, what I mean by that is really just to, to discern where God is moving in your life to join Him in what He's doing. 
in the marketplace around you. And, and so let me just start by praying, and I want to ask a few questions and uh, to get us rolling, if I could do that. Uh, Father, thank you for this time, for the uh, short period of time that we have, but I pray that with what we've got, you would just birth in each of us a vision or a re- renewed vision for what you're doing in our generation, for what you're doing around us. And uh, God, I thank you for the callings and the giftings on each man here. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to um, very specifically and very personally uh, make your will known to us and inspire us, God, uh, to accomplish your will, uh, whatever that means, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I, I originally named this 100 Practical Ideas for Impacting uh, or for Ministry at Work, and there's a little tongue-in-cheek in that, because uh, in 35, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, you're not going to get 100 ideas. And the other part of the tongue-in-cheek is that what we don't need is another 100 ideas on how to impact our our marketplace because we've had the formulas we've had the tools I mean there's just so much out there in the way of resources Um, you know if you've explored it all marketplace ministry that it's a little overwhelming quite frankly so what I want to do is kind of lean into three main ideas story design and relationships I want to see if I could get stirring in each of us a series of questions and almost a curiosity, an intense curiosity before the Lord that would cause us to seek Him in some fresh ways. Because my assumption is, the starting point for me is that what, what I think the moment that we're living in, the, the time in history that we're living in, is that God's setting us up for something really, really special. And a lot of times He does that by, by making us aware of our need of what we don't have, you know, and, and really maybe in a lot of respects of our failures, our, our good efforts that have really not borne very much fruit. So let me tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I had an assignment at Focus on the Family before I left there uh, doing the Truth Project, and then that emerged into, or uh, transitioned into leading the local um, strategy for Focus becoming a local presence in communities around the country. And I was just given an assignment, and I, I, and I went from having about, you know, having, you know, 11 or 12, pretty much the whole department reporting to me. I, all of a sudden, that was just me and my assistant. And this uh, vice president said, hey, I want you to go figure it out. Like, okay. <laughs> and so I, I started traveling to some of these areas where we had, there were some things going on, and asking the question, what could focus do? And really, it was, the question was, what impact do Christians, ha- Christians have in the marketplace, where in our communities? And so, I'm rolling, Bob. Yes, I'm rolling. So, so I, uh, I went to Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, overwhelming. I mean, just the need is so great. The, the, the um, pathologies, so deeply entrenched, multi-generational. Just brokenness everywhere. And then I came to Santa Ana, um, uh, one of the most uh, intensely populated areas in California, fifth largest city in the state. And um, estimates are that maybe 20 30% of the population is undocumented. Lots of gang problems, 90 gangs, uh, graduation rates of about 40 to 50%. I mean, 
deep problems in this area. And one day, I was a couple months into it, I, I was sitting in Santa Ana in the rental car, and I one direction you go into this high-end financial district, like Orange County has, BMWs, Mercedes, I mean, you know, just probably the high end of wealth. Half a mile the other way, I could have been down in Tijuana where I used to go once a month for three years, you know, when I lived in Southern California. And, and literally, you're, you're in a whole different culture. And I became, you know how God sort of can set you up, get you in a moment where all of a sudden something shifts and, and the view of things just impact you in a deep and profound way. I was in one of those moments. And when I looked that direction into all the wealth, and I looked that direction into all the poverty, I said, what was I thinking? This is crazy. There is no way we can make an impact in this area. Well, you know how you have a flush, you know, like you feel foolish? Be caught in a moment of embarrassment, you know, in our lives? It felt like that. And I, and I just said out loud, Lord, what was I thinking? And then he, he spoke one very simple question to me that changed everything from that moment forward. And the question was this. Mark, did you think I didn't have a plan for this generation? And literally, the backdrop of, of impossibility dropped out and, the, and a new backdrop was there and it was God's plan. And so literally, I would say in many respects, since that day, I've been on this tear to find God's will in our generation. And I absolutely believe that He's going to do something very, very special. And a lot of it will happen in a kind of revival that we're going to talk about here in the marketplace. So, that's my story. I think God has one of those for each of us. It'll be totally different, but it's going to be a now word from the Lord to each of you and maybe many, many others. So, so that's my starting point. I'm incredibly... Uh, excited about what God's doing. I have no idea what, what it's going to look like. But here's what I've learned. Um, some of the things I've learned. So first off, let me just say, uh, remind us of a verse from uh, First Chronicles. Uh, we've heard this, the sons of Issachar. You remember that? And they were referred to these, the, the sons of Issachar were these men or, who, who uh, understood the times and knew what to do. That was the, the reference. Sons of Issachar, if you look it up in the Bible, and you go to that, that verse, what they were known for is they understood the times and they knew what to do. So my prayer for us today is that we would be that. Now we would hear God in that way. And so um, we're talking about story, design, and relationships. We may not get that far on it, but I, I can send you all of these notes in a PDF format where you can see it a lot better than what's in front of you. This, okay. is, this is kind of my, just an outline for you to look at. Um, but let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about story for a minute. Okay, we live in three stories right now. Um, they're really the same story, but there are three tracks in the story. What, what do you think those, those stories are? We live in a story right now. It's a story of Okay, we live in God. That's the most important story, isn't it? We live in this story of redemption that began with Adam and Eve, and we literally are in this 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 line of of activity, and it's a plot of the story of humankind that we're a part of. 
That's a phenomenal thing, isn't it? It's, the story of Adam and Eve isn't something that happened back there. And then here we are. It's the same story. Jesus came. You know, our generation. Now the Holy Spirit is working. Same story over the history of mankind. So that's a phenomenal idea, isn't that? What's another story that we're part of? What God is doing through the church. Okay, I would call that the story of our generation. In many respects, the story of the church is God's story from Adam and Eve. But there's another part of that. When we say the story of the church, we can mean, you know, when it was birthed, when Jesus um, sent the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times what we mean by that is kind of what's happening now. And I call that the story of our generation. And then the third story is is our personal story. We each have experiences we've gone through. We have family, um, some good, some bad, some ugly, you know, maybe a, a lot of, of all of it, you know. We have jobs that we do, we have passions that we have, we have, you know, it's, it's sort of Joseph. Uh, the, the, um, Joseph at the end of Genesis says what, what, um, what, they, what was intended for evil, God worked for good. So there's this story of God being worked out through our lives as well. But it's very personal, very specific, um, and, and it's totally unique. Nobody else has our story. So there's these three stories that are moving down through, through time. And one of the things I think to be effective in marketplace ministry is to begin to, become, to be a student of the story, of our personal story. And we won't have time to dig into it now, but I can send you a bunch of tools if you want to begin to kind of look at your own story, rediscover your passion, or, or discover for the first time your passion. Uh, there, there's three things that I think of when we, we want to discern our own story. What's our passion? What are we passionate about? It can be Harley Davidson motorcycles. It doesn't have to be God's Word. We have passion for God's Word too, but there are some things that we just come alive. When I talk to men, I, uh, I watch... When we're, when we're talking, I watch for when they come alive, when their face lights up. You learn a lot about somebody when their face lights up. And one of the problems, I think, in the church is that we sometimes value certain passion, one passion over another passion. When really, passion comes out of how God's wired us, our experiences, and God delights in the things that we have passion for. So it's, if it's Harleys, if it's leading small groups, if it's preaching the gospel across culturally, uh, the passion tells us in this moment in time where we can go to really find, be fruitful, I think. So you take Harley Davidson's. If you're really passionate about it, when people get around somebody who's passionate, they're, they're drawn to them, aren't they? Okay, so, so passion's one piece. I've got some great tools if you want to email me. I can uh, send those to you. The second one is place. Where has God put you? There's, there's in your story, place is very, in terms of story in, in general, place is really important. What's the, the neighborhood, the, the job, the, um, the, the network of relationships? Um, remind me of your first name. John. John, you illustrated it so beautifully because this morning you were in a certain place that God showed up. And if you'd been in a different part of the room, that encounter wouldn't have happened. But if you have a view that place is critical, 
in your own story that God is paying attention to that, you start looking for that. That's a great example, John. Passion, place, and then people. Who are the people that God's put around you? And those, where those three intersect, there is tremendous traction in the kingdom of God. Huge traction. And, and I think as men, it's important for us to realize or to know that God cares about that. He's put us there. That, that He's absolutely paying attention to all that. Look at me. I'm not uh, doing my job, am I? I'm supposed to be sending this around. Somebody, somebody beat me to it. We could just throw it in here. So, uh, so, just unplug so passion, place, and people. I got some great exercises. We don't have time to do that now. That's more of a calling um, workshop. But, but we can go into that. Uh, or I can send that to you if you want to dig in. I'd be happy to, to walk with you through any of that. So there's a personal story. But here's where I want to lean in. The story of our generation. What's happening culturally right now? What's happening in the culture that, that, that influences, that affects the impact that Christians do make or don't make in the culture? Let's take a couple minutes just to kind of throw out some ideas. What's happening around us? Pardon me? Okay, deterioration of morals. So there's no foundation anymore, is there? Anti-God, teaching a lot of anti-God, literally battling where we're Yeah, a lot of anti-God. Indifference, but anti-God. Yeah, it's, it's not, it used to be indifference, didn't it? In the 60s, you know, 70s, that movement, it was sort of to throw uh, faith away. You don't need it anymore. Now, there's actually a hostility, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get on... I mean, uh, the, the uh, voices of Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and Michael Shermer and Dan Barker and these guys, I mean, they come from every background. One used to be a, a Pentecostal preacher, musician. One used to be a Christian. One used, one's a, just a, a, a very brilliant biologist, you know. And, and yet they're all sharing the same message of atheism that religion is actually the problem. Right, so that's a fairly recent phenomenon where they've got become that galvanized. Very important. What else is happening in the culture? I think it's amazing that it seems that the covers have been pulled back. Um, that people who have done wrong are now going to jail. It seems okay. that they got away with a lot for, for quite some time. Examples. A couple of examples. Oh gosh, yeah. how many do you need? FCI, Enron. Okay, so in kind of business. Uh, you know, all of these folks who were, who were uh, venerated in the culture yeah. are, are now essentially in jail for history. Yeah. Uh, you know, the AIG's 150 years of business, they're bankrupt. Um, I mean, Ken Starr, on and on and on. So, so if I could say it this way, it's, it's as if the, the, um, all of that unethical business practices, all of the... The, um, the the playing out life without the foundation we were just talking about, you know, that's gone now. It's it, it, we're seeing the consequences of it in the culture. Right. So there's brokenness at the family level all the way to Wall Street. I think that's a really good insight. Really good. Okay, so, so these are some of the things I think that when when we are, if we're going to be sons of Issachar, and we pay attention to what's happening in the culture, 
there's a story going on now in our culture that we're a part of and to the degree that we have insight or we don't have insight I think it influences how relevant we are now I'm going to see things different than Basil will or Gary you know I'll uh, Steve you know I wouldn't have said what Steve said but but there's something about as a, a company of men encouraging each other to make a difference in the marketplace that we start to see something that gives our words great insight. We connect it in ways that are relevant. And so, you know, I just read an article um, a couple days ago. Have you heard of the Singularity Movement? Okay, this is, this is a very interesting article. If you email me, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's merely human. That's so yesterday. They're talking, the Singularity Movement is talking about within 30 to 40 years, uh, the, the pace of technology will accelerate so quickly that the, the difference between human and machine will, will, in a sense, go away. They'll merge. So intelligence will be a, a chip planted in your brain that you're accessing. So you already know American history. It's, it's there. Um, there. There will be mapping of DNA that uh, eradicates most diseases. There will be, I mean, one of the guys says his goal is, he's 49 years old, one of the leaders in the singularity movement, his goal is to live to be 700 years old. Okay, I could, we don't have time to read it now, but I'm telling you, you read this article, and, and you say, wow, that's the story that we're living in. Singularity, literally the idea is that, that knowledge, which right now is doubling every three or four years, they say, the, the, the mountain of knowledge, they say it will get to a point where it's doubling every year. And to, when it gets to the point that it's doubling instantaneously, if we can even put our head around that idea, that will usher in a post-human era. Because we can't conceive of what it will... Okay, now, I'm, I'm just going to give you my interpretation of it. I think it's the Tower of Babel all over again. You think about it, it's that we can be like... Gods, and I think God would raise up within our generation a, 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 a group of men and women who who see this coming, and we are so um, insightful about the generation that we're living in that God gives us these tools and messages and this um, authority to go in because we know where this leads to. This is this is what happened. This is what led Satan to be cast out of heaven. And so anyway, we're, we'll get off. You see how we can go shooting down that trail there? So there's a story of our culture, and then there's the story of God. And let me just ask a question. How many of you have struggled at times with just staying faithful and reading the Bible and kind of hanging in there? And Okay, I'm the only one. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not the only one. Part of me being sort of reawakened in this season that I'm in now, um, I, I think it was the Lord doing this for me, is to say, Mark, there's a story there. You know? Don't just read a few verses and, hey, I checked the box and I did my quiet time. But I'm telling you a story that, and here's John 15, 16, uh, when, or 14, 15, and 16, when Je Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, there's two things the Holy Spirit's going to do. 
remind you what I said and tell you what you couldn't bear yesterday. Tell you things today that you couldn't bear yesterday. And I'm, I'm experiencing that in God's Word in a new and fresh way. And it's coming through this idea of story. So let me just encourage you kind of as we look at these three stories, your own life, the culture we live in, and then the, the story of God that we, we see played out through the Bible and then the Holy Spirit then speaks to us through. That, that, that in the mix of that, there's the phenomenal marketplace ministry for you and me. Basil. One of the things that concerns me about that kind of thinking is that the singularity thinking or what I just said okay good not what I just said about the Bible no no okay good (laughs) the more intellect that we have I was engineering the more intellect it gets in the way of faith we don't need anything we think we know how to do it that's right so we don't allow for the supernatural power of God yeah and so we limit it in a sense by what we can do and we think, well, you know, we don't allow for the fact that God can do something that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Because we want to see it in the intellect. And the intellect can be the biggest hindrance to faith. That's that right. That me a little bit. That, that's, that, is a, that sends shivers. Yeah. For that, that's a great way to say it. May I add to that? Yeah, John. I think with 2 Corinthians where Paul was struggling with the thorn in the flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in weakness. weakness. His power works when, it's, when we're weak. weak. When That's I've right. been used by God most is when I have been exhausted, when I couldn't do anything on my own, when That's right. He just exactly. worked through me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Your, char- your, yeah. your gifts can take you away. Your character can't sustain you. That's the problem that paid off in those guys. That's right. That's right. Uh, they have, yeah. They have yeah. terrific gifts. Yeah. Your gifts can take you where your character can't sustain you. That's they right. They have great gifts. But, but and, and, and they get revealed the at some point. Yeah. Lack of character. That's right. Hey, you're reading ahead. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, who, who so. Said, who said that? Uh, Vince, Vince Dacchioli on Target Ministry yeah on Target Ministry he's a local guy great guy so so here on these these uh, this first page uh, there's power of story there's some questions there that if you're interested I'll send you the actual PowerPoint and you can see them <laughs> you can't really see them here but let me t- have you turn to the next page um, it says our God story and then um, you know I just jotted some categories there if we were to unpack God's story, um, those would be the key kind of buckets or placeholders. But if you look at the, the middle slide on the second page, you see where these circles are? Here's where I think most of us miss it. In the midst of these three, these three stories, they're really the same story, but there's three stories. Your story, our culture story, and, or our generation story, and God's story. There is this weaving together I couldn't weave it so I put circles but there's this weaving together that the Holy Spirit does day in and day out speaking to us uh, uh, um, shaping our character um, calling us to specific assignments opening our eyes to somebody who's hurting across the room basically getting outside of our, ourselves and living this supernatural kingdom of God life 
that's going on literally all around us all the time. And so, so if you can picture these circles, that that's our life in the Spirit that, that animates each of these stories and makes life so much more exciting than we could ever have it to be if we were in charge. And we wake up every day and we're, we're looking forward to this thing playing out because God, this, is, this means God's in charge. And He's moving around us and He's drawing us and He's, and he's also going deep and dealing with hurts and, and, and difficulties in our lives. He's correcting sin patterns. But, you know, I... I okay... Maybe I'm the only one who's had struggles as a man uh, in this room, so I'll just share my story. You know, over the years as I've struggled with, with, you know, sexual temptation and just even having a clean mind, you know, throughout the day, not looking the extra time. I mean, just staying right before God. I realized as I look back on it over the years, there's two kinds of struggle against it. One is the one you always lose. And it's that I got this dang thing called the flesh. And it's so powerful. And even if I win this little battle, I mean, I know I'm going to lose somewhere down the road. Versus, which story am I in? And, And when I start looking around and I start seeing a different story, I don't see the story of me trying to fight against my flesh. I see the story of God leading me in the, this epic adventure, this epic story of God redeeming the entire world back to Himself. And it happens in all these very small ways, at stoplights with a thought in my mind, in the grocery store with a mom struggling with a couple of kids, and she's just totally overwhelmed, probably a single mom, and I throw up one little prayer. I mean, all the way to sharing Christ with somebody at work. I remember when I was a, t- a teacher... Um, I remember struggling through this and saying, Lord, where are you at this public high school in Southern California? And that night he gave me a dream for the, literally the most influential teacher on the campus who we'd started to become friends. I woke up and I'd had this dream of, about Chris Piercy, who I just saw a couple months ago, or a month ago. We're very close friends now. But I had this dream, I go, I am not sharing that with him. His hands were cut off. He, 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 has, he, he couldn't see. I was like... I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm not sharing that. I'll pray for him. That's I'll take that. But sure enough, I'm having lunch with him the next day and the Lord says, share the dream. Really? And, and then as I'm sharing the dream, the word of the Lord comes to me. I know what it means. And I say, Chris, this is going to be really weird. I don't know where you're at with your belief in God. And you're going to just think I'm a crazy person. But I feel like I need to. And I shared the dream five minutes and the little one-sentence thing that I thought it meant, and I said, I'm just taking a risk here with our friendship. He came to Christ through that dream. So, I mean, literally, I think God wants to make our lives that. That doesn't happen every day. But literally, to move through our lives expecting that God could use us in any way He might choose, but it's seeing the story that's going on around us. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment. So that's the idea of story. Um, I want to finish in about five minutes. Be sensitive to our time. Um, don't want to jump in. And I think we have till 11:30. Do we have till? Oh, yeah. is it till 11:30? Okay, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go over time. Can I keep going then? Sure. Okay, we're all right. Okay. Um, last, before we go on to design, thoughts about story. What is anything uh, popping out to you, or anything that you feel like you know is 
you're seeing in this idea of story that could could be beneficial to you kind of as we walk back into our lives this, today? Uh, my experience has been in the workplace is, is do it first before you talk about it. Yep. So, I mean, you know, being a man of integrity, you know, don't go blaming someone else. I was a manager for a long time. And uh, uh, the first couple of guys I ever met, as a believer, I go to this men's group, and there were two Jews. And I'm thinking, what kind of Christian men's group is this? He's a Jew. And one of them was the vice president of Burger King, and he said, I asked him, how did you become a believer? And he was an upwardly mobile executive, mm -hmm. studied executives, and he said, I wanted to, I tried to understand what makes the ones I thought were good executives, what, what's the best trait so I could learn. Yeah. And he said, and I didn't see a trend, you know, some were introverts, some were extroverts, some were very bright, some weren't bright. He said, I found out that all of the ones that I thought were really exceptional, I found out that they were Christians. Would not one of them ever witnessed him directly? Wow! And he said, "Oh, I have to find out about this Christianity." <laughs> I want to be successful and too. Wow! That's awesome. So, and I, you know, and they didn't witness him as just yeah. by their lifestyle. <clears throat> yeah. So I think you know we don't want to do the talk; we want to do the walk. Exactly. And, and I'm going to suggest here at the end when we land on relationships that the most important thing we can do is to be a friend. And that, that really is all about being authentic, being real, being honest with our struggles, uh, uh, being, um, being sure that our priorities are kingdom priorities. So even if we're not perfect, everybody around us knows we're trying to be that kind of person. The person of integrity, the person that, that doesn't put themselves in the center of things. I think that's the key to, you know, you know man, I'm, I'm working on an MBA right now. Right? Two master's degrees is not enough, I guess. So a friend is paying for it. So I finally realized, okay, what part of this deal is not making sense to me. So, But it's been really interesting to me because I think what I'm learning is all of the research about good leadership is really captured in the idea of what it means to be the kind of Christian who lays his life down for others. That's what character stems from is, are you the center or not? Yeah, if God's in the center, then absolutely other people, you know, are more important than ourselves. And most pathologies and, and uh, breakdowns and, and brokenness comes out of us putting ourselves in the center, if not all. Wouldn't you say? Romans 12, who isn't it? Living sacrifice? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay, the second idea, design. Um, much of... I, I went through a big transition or shift um, over the last five years uh, through the uh, influence of a mentor in my life, uh, Dr. Del Tackett, who is, uh, if you've heard of the Truth Project, he's a guy on the, on the DVD. So I, I was the lead, as I mentioned to a few of you, the lead uh, on that project. And so Del and I worked closely together over these four or five years. We, we did... Uh, um, conferences together, we, we decided what the content would be, I mean, we just literally hundreds or thousands of hours, probably thousands of hours together, and it was because of the, the impact of his life living out the truth that he was talking about 
that, that really got my attention. In other words, I already heard the teaching on design. Been there, done that. But when I saw him live out his life and integrate God's word in all these ways, in his own life, in the way that he saw the world, that caught my attention. And all of a sudden now, I was pulled into attention with the Lord to say, do I see God's design in everything? Do, do I understand that the different spheres of life have all emanated from the character of God? And so that when he's created the, the, the heavens and the earth, everything was created out of who he is. And when we look at his creation, we, we can see back to his character and, and there is a design for everything in life, an intended, intended design. And what we live out is the, bro- the breakdown of that design. So when we built this, when I uh, thought through this idea of community, what, what kind of strategy would we come up with based on community? These very natural assumptions occurred to me that I wouldn't have thought of if I hadn't looked at life this way. For example, you know, God created community, and even if it's broken, doesn't mean that there isn't a design there. What is the design? So we would go into communities and say, you don't need us to tell you how to fix your community. We need to get back to the design of community. We believe that you have all the resources you need within the community, most of them anyway, for us to see this become healthy. That was an incredibly empowering message for the mayors and the city council member and the police chiefs and the heads of nonprofits and the pastors. All of a sudden, someone was coming from the outside saying, not saying, here, we have the, the fix, the answer. We're, we're showing up saying, we're here to help. We think that you have everything you need. If we look at family, work, community, um, church, everything, and we, we reflect on this idea of design. I think God will speak to us about how to see, uh, how to fix things, how to, how to lean into the way that he designed it and see it start to work. And one of those designs is community. This big, um, you can't possibly see this, but when, when I send it, if you want me to send it to you in email, I, I will. You'll see three, um, three compartments here. One is church, one is community, and one is God. And where those overlap, it's instructive to us about what our role is. So if you look at community and God, the, the overlap between community and God, it, it says that God is always, um, based on community, drawing people to himself. And between God and the church, God is saving people. God is shaping disciples. He's, he's raising people up. But what, what isn't happening is that, that the church is getting the community saved. Does the church get the community saved? We don't save anybody, right? God does that. And, and when we start to think about the implication, implications of that in God's design, when we walk into work, we don't have to hit people over the head with four spiritual laws because we know that God, if this is God's design, He's already doing things and we have a role in that. And if you look at the verbs that I have in those areas that overlap that you can't possibly see right now, it might provoke in you some action that would be 
the kind of action leaning into God's design to see maybe the Holy Spirit do some very special things where you work, where you live in your neighborhood, um, church, how the church plays its life out in the community, etc. So um, there's that. And then let me just jump down to uh, one more idea and then I'm going to start wrapping it up because I want to leave time for, for a prayer request and any questions. The last area, and this is, we could have spent our whole time on this idea, and that's the idea of relationships. If, if marketplace ministry isn't at the beginning of the day and the end of the day about relationships, about a relationship with God, with other believers, and, and the people God brings into our life who don't know Him, then uh, we're really, we miss the entire point of everything. And two words that I would, you know, ask you to think about and pray about, you know, as, as we move out back into our lives. This idea of friendship, and we've already talked about it, this is the second word here, this idea of character. The, um, in my own story, you know, I've gone through some ups and downs, some bumps along the way. And what God has told me, or taught me, and probably especially the, the older gentleman in the room, is that one of the most important things God's trying to get us to get is that it's not our strength that He needs. It's our humility. It's our weakness. It's our emptiness. It's our brokenness. And when somebody in a workplace has been broken by God, everybody knows. They would not describe it that way. They would not have any grid for understanding it that way. But they would tell you that person is different. I would suggest to all of us today that is the one defining issue in all of our lives. Have we been broken by God or not? And I think God breaks us over and over. But when we really begin to know the heart of God, we realize that brokenness is so that we can know Him in ways we can't possibly know Him otherwise. And so, one of, there's two, two things God does is for men. Is he, he typically goes after our weakness. I don't know why he doesn't do that so much for women. But men, he wants to meet us in our weakness. I, I think it's true for women too. But men, we have this pride thing. This self-sufficiency thing. This I've got it handled thing. And so, I would ask you, is there anything in your life, an area of weakness that the Lord is wanting to meet you? And... And to consider not resisting in there, but surrendering. I think this is a process that happens over and over in our lives. And the second thing that I would ask us to think about is, do we have a view of ourselves in whatever place that we're in where we realize that, that we're connected to other people? This idea of friendship. That at the end of the day, who we are to one another in friendship is really the most important, I think, sign of, of our relationship with the Lord, with ourselves, with our view of life. And friendship, I think at the end of the day, it's the only thing we take to heaven. I think it's the only thing. I don't even think we take, I'm not even sure, based on what the Word says, we take our marriage to heaven, right? But friendship. With whom? 
Pardon me? With who? Friendship. Friendship. I think the relationships that we make relationship. here. Relationship. Yeah, yeah, I like that better. Relationship. Well, friendship. Jesus said, no greater love is this than oh, a man yeah. lay down his life for his friends. And there's something that happens when we, in the workplace, we are a friend to people. We listen. We're there. And now, we won't be deep friends with everybody. We can't be. But we have a posture toward everybody in our life. There's an openness. And God has done some of the most amazing things to me with people that I, I my first reaction was just, oh, this person drives me crazy. And, and the Lord will give me a prayer request. Well, why don't you just trust me in this? And that person turns out to be a very, very close friend. Happened to me when I was in college. There's one gal who was going to be on my dorm floor when I was on RA. I remember I met her a couple months before the year started because we, you know, we had some mutual friends. And I went, this she drives me nuts. I mean, not too many people drive me crazy. But I like got up and I walked by. I wanted to run. Everything about her. And I remember the Lord, this was one of those lessons early in your life in the Lord. She said, well, will you trust me that I brought her into your life? Okay. We're still friends to this day. You know, 30 years later, 25, 30 years later. And I, I just think the world of her, right? Single gal, never got married, so I wasn't crazy. There were some things there that, you know, but, but she has friends around her, even though she's single, you know. So, I agree, absolutely. It's that idea of, of, of an open life to people around us. And that looks different for each of us. Some of us are outgoing, others introverted. None of that matters. Friendship plays out in many ways. Oh, no, no problem. I was thinking about connection and how all these circles intertwined. And, and it's really interesting, even within this small group, there's you and there's eight people. And, and of these eight people, our small group at Mount Springs just finished the Truth Project. Oh. I have a relative in Massachusetts. You and I do, this, do the men's group together, and my wife is always asking me, who is this BM man guy that keeps sending me emails? <laughs> Stephen was a Pharisee in the thorn with me. His brother, when I came back to the Lord, and the Lord led us to Mountain Springs, I started getting involved in children's ministry. And the person who was like my mentor, who helped me, because I grew up in a certain religion, mm-hmm. who helped me break free of that, was his brother, Glenn. Glenn <laughs> was awesome. in the Navy. And we met at Mountain Springs. Wow. He went to the Thorn, and my son pointed him out to me because he was wearing a Miami shirt because I'm a big Miami fan. <laughs> wow. So over half of this group. Yeah. Well, you can. Do you know there's a connection here? I was on staff at Mountain Springs. Okay. <laughs> from '98 to 2002, and I'm that's one of the churches I'm consulting with right now. Those <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's. Anyway, so, it's hey. just you know. It's, it's really phenomenal how, and, you know, God brings us together for, for yeah. you know, moments in time. Now, can I piggyback on that and maybe, maybe finish with this? I, that's a brilliant, brilliant uh, thought. And let me say this, that what you just described is what the world is missing. They're lonely. They don't experience deep relationships. They... What we have is a treasure. Even if we've just begun to taste it, 
But what Jesus has done in reconciling the world to himself, and what he's done in reconciling us to the living God of the universe, is absolutely the treasure of the earth. And singularity is not... How could they be more off base of what human, being a human is all about? Right? So, anyway, I, I hope there's been some practical for each of you today. Um, I hope there is. <laughs> but let me just, if I could, um, end in prayer. And then I, I can hang out as long as we need answer questions or just talk or whatever. But um, thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. I think God was in each of you being here. Are you going to send us an email so we have your yeah. current Yes. Did I get the yeah. full list? over there underneath. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let me, um, I'll fill it, this out for the New Life folks. And then, I didn't, uh, you had that, so I, just I, didn't I didn't bring it out like I was supposed to. You actually I'll, I'll did my job. Okay, thanks very much. And my, my name, uh, if, um, it's easy to get a hold of me. It's, uh, if you remember how to spell my name, it's Mark, M-A-R-C. Last name is Faye. You have it on the actual the thing there. So it's just Mark at MarkFay.com. So it's just my name, MarkFay.com. So Mark at MarkFay.com. And feel free to email me. And I mean, if you want to get together for coffee, whatever. Say Mark at MarkFay.com. Yep. Yeah. What's your Twitter account? Oh, I just closed my Twitter. I know, I know. I have Facebook. Facebook, I know. Facebook, I got my Facebook that I'm doing. So, yeah, I I sort of, Kathy and I talked about it. It was like, I probably should just close it. I had some people following me that was not very good. So it was one of those, I think I'll just hit the eject button. (laughs) Are you involved in this? marketplace ministry beyond this meeting here? Well, I speak at a lot of men's conferences. I'm doing CB, I've done a bunch of CBMC conferences. Yeah. I was out at uh, Gettysburg yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. Spoke to the men's conference there. Yeah. yeah. When I went to Finland with YWAM, the first time I went to before I got with YWAM, I connected with the president of CBMC over there. Wow. Got to know him. Because I, and I joined the national organization just to have credibility over there. Yeah. So uh, then I get to meet him, and he's become a friend of mine. That's great. And his best friend, one of his best friends, is Yuka Palonen, who's a worship director at the Springs Church. Oh, funny. You, wow. you talk about connection. Small, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Small. Are you familiar with Colorado Springs Vineyard? Yeah. Because yeah. they have a big YWAM. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, New Life has a lot of YWAM. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're full of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me close in prayer if I could. And um, if you do email me, if there's anything I can be praying for you, I'd love for you to share that. I can that. follow up on yeah. this question. I think his question is, I mean, in the yeah. bigger picture, mm-hmm. as Marketplace, where, where, where are we can going with this? Yep. Okay. You bet. All right. Thank you. Is this something that New Life is going to build momentum for it. I think for, yeah, for for the, it's a part of the men's ministry, it's a part of the mindset of New Life men, and uh, uh, what Brady's doing right now is really exciting in terms of uh, kind of pulling together a a core group of men. Uh, In fact, if any of you are interested in this, let, you know, let me know, but uh, we're we're talking about a, a retreat in September where we kind of pulled together the men who want to do some heavy lifting around men's ministry. One component of that is marketplace ministry. I think it'll be something that 
flows out of what's down the road. I mean, really, is literally. I'm going. Yeah, is that where you're headed? That's, that's, that's your. Okay, what's what's that? It's invitational. It is. Talk to me if you're interested. Okay. Yeah. yeah. People talk. Hey, about, someone invited you. Yeah. Good. People talk about relationship revival all the time, but I think Andrew Womack says it's really it's one on one, one by one. Exactly. We, and, and I look at you. Never know how the life of one person you end up talking to, sharing with, exactly. how their life has changed. Amen. Well, let me close in prayer and then hang out as long as you'd like. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the exciting story that we are a part of. Jesus, you have made it all possible for us by causing us to come alive, to go from dead to alive because of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the cross and the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, so much. And help us to make the most of our time that we have to be men um, who know the times that we live, live in and who are willing to lay everything down and pay uh, whatever price it is, Lord, to see your kingdom come and your will to be done. And I pray, Lord, that there literally would be an, an anointing of the sons of Issachar uh, upon each of us, whatever that might mean in, in our own calling and, and gifting and where you've put us. So thank you, Lord. Seal what you've done and cause whatever is not of you, Lord, just to fall away very quickly. And Lord, we, we promise our commitments to give you all the credit uh, in what you will do in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.